Jim, appreciate that. So as you may have guessed from Jim's reading, we're in a series in uh, Romans chapter 8. Last week, we were calling that series Secure. Um, we're just talking about the security that we have and can have in our relationship with Jesus. And last week, we said that we are secure in Christ because in Him, there is therefore now no condemnation. And we kind of teased out what that means, right? We said that means that God will never hold your past against you. It means, and this is huge, it means that whatever you're going through right now is not God punishing you. It means that your future status before God is not in doubt. Not only does God love you, but he accepts you. It means that your access to God is not limited by your sin. You're not held back in your standing before God by your sin. And that phrase, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ, comes as a gift. You can't earn that standing. It can only be given to you in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Now, before we dig in and do a deeper dive into the verses that Jim just read, I need to make some comments. And the first comment is this. Christian living, being a follower of Jesus, is essentially supernaturally living. It's supernatural living. In other words, the Christian life If you try to live it out of your own resources, if you try to live it out of your own flesh, to use the phrase we're going to be talking about today, uh, it just just reaps discouragement and defeat. Uh, You're meant to live uh, the Christian life supernaturally. All right, so uh, now because it demands supernatural resources, Paul is going to challenge us. He's going to talk about two ways to live your life. He's going to say you can live your life with a mind set on what he calls the flesh, or you can live your life with a mind set on the spirit. In other words, uh, a mindset is living under, uh, living under something. It's, um, it's surrendering yourself to that. So you can surrender yourself to your flesh or you can surrender yourself um, to the spirit. In fact, here's how he says it in verses 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit have their mind set on the things of the spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Now, one of the things he's saying here is that Christianity is not an improve yourself program. It's not about the power of positive thinking. It's not about a better version of you through self-effort or through the flesh. The the Christian life can only be lived, friends, through, and we'll talk far more about this next week, through dependency on the Spirit of God. I mean, dependency is the key to the Christian life. It just is. Uh, It's not, uh, it's a life born of the Holy Spirit. And so that the good news then is that you and I never have to live the Christian life out of our own resources, out of our own sense of self-discipline or alone or by ourselves. 
that the Spirit of God lives within us to help us uh, live a victorious, free Christian life. Now, we're told here that the mind focused on the flesh brings death. Now, that that word here is used two ways, but I think primarily it's meant to be understood literally. That uh, if if you're focused on the flesh or on your body, uh, all of us have bodies that are going to die. All of us do. All of us have bodies that are going to wear out, that are going to eventually give up. I don't care how well you feed it. I don't care how many vitamins you take. I don't care how regularly you exercise. That is unavoidable. That is all of us. And then he says, whereas a mindset on the spirit brings life and peace because our spirits will never die. But then I think there's also a figurative use here. He's just saying, look, if you lean into your flesh to live the Christian life, that part of you that wants to rebel against God, that part of you that wants to live independently of God, that part of you that yearns and craves and is never satisfied. Friends, you can never satisfy your flesh. And that's why a mind set on the flesh is called death. It just results in discouragement and defeat. Uh, your flesh can never fuel the Christian life. Only the Spirit can do that. And again, that's the dependency piece. So he says the Spirit brings life and peace because the Spirit in your life never dies. The Holy Spirit is eternal. So death doesn't affect him. There's life and there's peace. And then look what he says in verse 7. The mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. Because it does not want to submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. It can't. Uh, This is a big deal. We saw this last week, right? That um, your flesh always is that part of you that wants to live independently of God. And then verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I mean, it just seems so hopeless, doesn't it? I mean, so what's the answer? Well, thank God for the next verse. So here's what it says, Romans 8, chapter 9, or verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now listen, this is so rich and so deep. And so what we're going to do in the next few minutes that we have together is we're going to unpack five things that are true of followers of Christ, five things that are true of Christians that are not true for everybody else. They're not true for anybody else. Only, they're only true of Christians. So let's dig in and start. So here's the first one. The first, something that's true of you that is not true of anybody else, and that is this. The Holy Spirit dwells, lives in you. I mean, it's right there in the middle of verse 9, right? The Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, this is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And a lot of times we're kind of lulled into thinking, well, the difference between Christians and non-Christians is what they believe or what they value, you know, what their values are. And that's a very superficial and shallow analysis of the difference. Friends, the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that is a game changer. That is a difference maker. So Paul is just saying, look, and the word lives, by the way, is very, very important. It's, it means more than just be there, like you might be in a bus station or be on a train or be in a car or a store. The word live actually comes from the Greek word for house or home. And this implies permanence. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't do sleepovers. He's there every night, every day. He has made his home in you. Uh, So the implication then is nearness and familiarity and influence because you are where he lives. You are his home. And if someone makes your house their home, right, they're going to be near you a lot. They should become familiar to you, and you should become familiar to them. They're going to have influence on you, and you're going to have influence on them and the way that they live. Listen, friends, if if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God inhabits you. He indwells you. He is at home in you. You are his home. And so, you know, Paul would argue elsewhere, because the Holy Spirit is a person, he has a personality, that he can be grieved, you know, that we can quench the Spirit. See, we need to tend to that, to that truth that he lives within us. And uh, Paul describes this first distinguishing thing about Christians in two other ways. He says in verse 9, You have the Spirit of Christ. And then at the beginning of verse 10, he says, Christ is in you. So the first distinguishing thing about Christians is that's different from everyone else is that we are an inhabited people. And I want you to notice something that's really important. This could be a little confusing otherwise. He uses a, a three different terms that, re, that refer to the same spirit. He, so in, um, for example, in 9b, he says the spirit of God dwells in you. In 9c, he says you have the spirit of Christ. And finally, he just says in verse 10, Christ himself is in you. So all of these phrases are referring essentially to the same presence. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is equally the Spirit of God the Father. He's equally the Spirit of God the Son. And the Spirit's sole ministry in your life is to lift up Jesus and point you to Him. So over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit is going to say to you, look to Him, follow Him. Do what he says. Listen to him. Look like him. Love like him. This is the way the Holy Spirit will prompt and move all the way through. So important. Uh, In fact, I want you to kind of think about the way that Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. So in John 14, Jesus has told his disciples, 
that he's, he's going to have to die. He's going to go away. And they're distraught. I mean, they're overwhelmed. I mean, they can't imagine life without their rabbi. And so Jesus, be, here's, here's how he comforts them. He says, I will ask the Father and I will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So he says he's going to send this, uh, the Spirit and that the Spirit is going to be our counselor. In other words, our leader, our guide. He's going he's to point us to true north in a way and empower us to live in a way that lives true north. Uh, and so he says this Spirit is one with himself. He says he abides with you and will be in you. In other words, he's saying this, look, I'm with you now. But I will be in you after I return to my Father and I send the Spirit of truth. And then in verse 18, he just says it point blank. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Because my Spirit is in you, I will come to you. So see, Jesus equates the Holy Spirit with his own presence. So important and so vital. So for both Jesus and for Paul, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So much so that when the Holy Spirit is present in you, Christ himself is present in you. You are never without Christ. Christ is never far away. He's never at a distance, ever. In fact, he said this in Matthew 28, I'm going to be with you into the very end of the age. And now we know how closely he intends to be with us. It's not even just that he's with us. He's in us. He's in here. This is an incredible, incredible, incredible truth. But so that's the first thing that's true of you that is not true of anyone else all over the world. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. But here's a second biggie. Second thing that's true of you that's not true of anybody else in the world. Not only are Uh, is the Holy Spirit in you, but you are in the Holy Spirit. So look at verse 9, the second clause. He says, you are in the Spirit. And I want you to note, so earlier he said, yes, the Spirit is in you. But now he's saying something different. He's saying, now you, the Spirit, or you are in the Spirit. Uh, And this is what distinguishes you from those who are in the flesh. You, however, 9a, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does it mean that you are in the Spirit? Well, it means that you are under the influence of the Spirit, under the power of the Spirit. It means that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is your counselor, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is meant to influence every waking moment of every single day in your life. He's your counselor. 
Now, uh, you, m- many of you know this, maybe there's some folks that you actually follow, but with the rise of social media has come something called a social media influencer. If that's a term that's not familiar to you, social media influencers typically have an area of expertise that qualifies them to speak specifically into a certain area of your life. So maybe you follow a woman who's into beauty and, and you know, and so she talks about that, or maybe you're, you follow a guy that does fitness or a woman that does fitness. I mean, they, they can have expertise in almost any area, but if they can, can accumulate enough followers, they can actually make a living as a social media influencer. And, um, and here's what I would just want you to, to know. The Holy Spirit is meant to be the primary influencer of your life. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just have expertise in a certain area. He knows everything. Sometimes people will follow people for who they know. And when you think about the Holy Spirit, he has an intimate relationship with the God of heaven and earth. You you know, the God of the universe. The God who created all that exists. I mean, not only does he know everything, but he knows the most powerful being in the universe. And he doesn't just know them on a casual basis. He, he knows him intimately, and he's known him intimately uh, back as far as you can imagine. Since uh, for eons and eons of time, you and I are meant, first and foremost, to be under the influence of the Spirit. And he knows everything. There is nothing in your life that he is not eminently qualified to speak into. Um, And he doesn't just have an area of expertise. He is expertise. He is enablement. And then Paul kind of connects these two things that are true of you in verse 9. He says, you are in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, in other words, the Spirit sets us free and He influences us, and this is so important, from the inside out. This means that the Christian life, friends, is an inside job. It's not about some superficial change. It's about a quantitative changing of your heart and your mind from the inside out. That's the Spirit's work. It's the Spirit's Uh, job you might say it's his heart for you and I that we think look and act more like Jesus Um, so this means that the spirit is not like outside of you like barking orders to you he is inside creating a new heart and a new mind it's substantive change it's deep change it's an inside out transformation he's not just slapping a band-aid on you and this is really important to know and then the third thing that's true of you that isn't true that's true of you as a follower of Jesus that is not true of anyone else is that you belong to Christ you are his very own possession Uh, So verse 9, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong 
to him. Now I want you to think about this. That means that if that's true, then that means the reverse, right, is true too. If you do have the spirit of Christ, you do belong to him. So as Christians, we should think of ourselves not simply as children of God, which we'll talk about next week, but as God's own possession, an instrument in God's hands. We should think of ourselves as a people and as a person who belongs to him. God is the ultimate owner of my life and your life. God owns you you might say. Well, let's ask the question, well, in what sense then does God own me? In what sense could it be said that I'm his possession? Well, Paul connects these ideas in another verse. This is 1 Corinthians 6. Here's what Paul writes. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Therefore, he says, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. And in this case, that price is the shed blood of Jesus. He purchased you by the shedding of his blood. So Paul says, glorify God with your body. So what's so fascinating about this verse is it talks about two ways that Jesus makes makes us his own. There's habitation and then there's purchase. Now, there was a time in this country where if someone was traveling out west, um, all they had to do was put down stakes somewhere and put up a tent and homestead that property. And if they homesteaded that property long enough, it would eventually be given or deeded to them. So in the same way, friends, the fact that the Holy Spirit is homesteading you means that he owns you and furthermore now none of us probably anybody here homestead to own your house probably not right but if you're here today you probably did the other route you what did you do you purchased your house you had to pay for it right well in the same way Christ has paid for you you were bought with a price so whether it's homesteading or whether it's purchasing Christ you are Christ's own possession you really are you are not your own so let me just this this just begs a question and it's a really important question to ask do you live your life as if Christ owns it Is your life yours or is your life his? Is your life about you or is it about him? Now, I said at the beginning of this message, there are five things that set you apart as a follower of Jesus from everyone else. We've covered the first three, right? The spirit of God dwells in you. He homesteads you. We said that you're in the spirit, you're under his influence. And then the third thing we just said was you're God's own possession. You're his very own. You belong to him. You bear the name of Jesus. But now here in verse 10, we're going to see something that you and I have in common with the rest of the world. 
In other words, this is true of every man, woman, and child, regardless of their gender, their age, the color of their skin. We're all in this one together. Here's what he says in verse 10. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin. So here's what he's saying, friends. Every human being in the world has a body. A body that will die and decay. A body that will let us down. A body that will give out and give up. And uh, it's really important to understand that. In fact, he says that in verse 23, and we'll talk about this down the road, but he says that we have to actually wait for the redemption of our bodies. Even though the Spirit of God lives in there, we, are, you know, we haven't been redeemed. Our bodies haven't been redeemed yet. That comes in the next life, in the next age. But now let's, look, let's go back to the other two things that make Christians different from everyone else. And really, I think, takes the sting out of this idea of mortality, that everybody dies. Um, so he says this first, he says, verse 10, the spirit, while the body dies, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Yes, we all have bodies that are going to let us down. They are doomed to die. But two things make it different for our spirit, the gift of righteousness and the presence of Christ. So you see him both in verse 10. He says, look, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, we don't have to wait for the redemption of our bodies to be spiritually alive to God. That righteousness, that standing before God is ours now. It's ours today. And Christ himself is ours now. He's ours today. We don't have to wait until we die to come to know him or get to know him. And therefore, that means that life and peace can be ours now, today. We don't have to die to get those things. And I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes. And then the fifth thing that makes Christians different from everyone else is he, he just, we find in verse 11, here's what he says. But if the spirit who, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Your body may die, friends, but your body won't stay dead. It will be raised by the spirit of God that lives in that body. So he's saying, look, here's the bad news. Your body's going to wear out. It's going to wrinkle. It's going to show its age. Knees are going to give out. Shoulders are going to give out. Things are going to happen. You're going to get sick. But one day, all that's going to go away. One day, none of that will be true because you're going to get a resurrected body. And he's also telling us something really important here that he's saying this, that your resurrection from the dead is as certain as Christ's resurrection because the spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. Here's what he's saying. God did not create the body to throw it away. 
Christ did not purchase the body to throw it away. And the Holy Spirit doesn't inhabit your body to throw it away. Now, this is just an implication. But another truth that stands out here is that the power of the resurrection in our mortal bodies isn't just something that we get someday. That resurrection power is available to you today. You know, it's something that we get now to help us live every day. You and I have resurrection power, not tomorrow, not someday, but today. And that power comes through the availability of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to make a couple of conclusions. So we, we were told earlier that a Christian can live their life in one of two ways. We can have a mind set on the flesh, which brings death. Or we can have a mindset on the Spirit. And I want you to note that you, it's one or the other. In other words, if, if you have a mindset on the flesh, you don't have a mindset on the Spirit. And if you have a mindset on the Spirit, you don't have a mindset on the flesh. You can't do both at the same time. And so um, it's important to say this, to just remind you of something. I said earlier that your flesh is that part of you that yearns, it craves, it's never satisfied. This is one of the reasons that Paul says to have a mindset on the flesh is death. It's discouragement, it's defeat, it's depression. I mean, because again, it just yearn, it continually yearns and craves. And no matter how much you feed your flesh, it will always want more. So just a great way to think about this. So I want you to imagine with me that you are the proud owner of two baby tigers. And you know that while they're cute right now, one day they're going to grow up and they're going to have very powerful claws and very powerful teeth. But a funny thing happens, as you look at these two tigers, you are drawn to one of them. And so you feed that tiger, you nourish that tiger, you, you pay lots of attention to that tiger, and it grows up to be really strong and healthy. But the other tiger, 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 the other tiger you ignore you don't nourish it, you don't feed it, and then one day those two tigers get in a fight. Which tiger is going to win that fight? It's going to be the tiger that you nourished. It's going to be the tiger that you fed. See, so here's my point. If you feed your flesh if that's what you pay attention to, if that's what you nourish, every time it gets in a fight with your spirit, your flesh is going to win because that's where your mind is. And I, I, I just got to say this. And listen, there's no judgment here, I promise. Just great compassion and love. Some of you are here today and you are tired and you are discouraged and you are overwhelmed. And you know why you're all those things? Because you have had a mind set on the flesh. And your flesh is never satisfied. You can't do enough for it. You feed your flesh and it will eat you alive. This is why Paul says, look, 
Feed your spirit. Nourish your spirit. This is why we talk ad nauseum around here about things like being in God's Word. God's Word is nourishment to your spirit. It feeds and fuels your spirit. But if you're ignoring God's Word, then you're ignoring the spirit within you. Friends, the Christian life is meant to be a life of freedom and victory. But that only comes by by the spirit it doesn't come in your flesh your flesh we paul told us earlier right is unable to please god it cannot please god it won't ever want to please god so if if you regularly feed your flesh and you neglect your spirit your flesh is gonna it's gonna dominate you it's gonna eat your lunch every single day this is why it's so important to be in God's Word. This is why we talk until we're blue in the face about the importance of community. Because when you and another believer get face to face, their spirit, the spirit within them, encourages the spirit within you. They feed off of one another. Think, think charcoal briquettes all in a big pile, right? As long as they're all in a pile, um, they're going to stay hot and they're gonna stay, it's going to stay warm. But what happens when you just take one little briquette and you put it over here? It, it's going to grow cold really, really quickly. You need community in your life. In a couple of weeks, we're going to ask you to sign up for small groups. Don't neglect your spirit. Get in a group, even if it's just a group that scratches an itch that you have. That's totally fine. You need to be in community. And then finally, another way you can have a mindset on the Spirit is just by having a ministry. Being in a regular rhythm of service. Service is so, so important to your Spirit. Don't neglect the Spirit of God within you. This is vital. So, all right, let's, let's just kind of wrap this all, all up. So, all of us know what life in the flesh feels like. We know what life in the flesh does, how defeating it is. So, will you try something different Will you try, will you be intentional about feeding and fueling your spirit? Will you yield your life to the spirit who has purchased you and inhabits you? It's time. Friends, listen, COVID, for years it's been all about the flesh. For years the headlines have stolen, have all been about the flesh. That's COVID. That's where COVID attacks. But guess what? You are more than just flesh. You have a spirit. And the spirit of God lives in you. So quit neglecting that spirit. Fuel him. And friends, your life will look different. It will look free. You will, you will not know death and discouragement. You will know life and peace. But you've got to be intentional. You've got to be willing. You know, our vision as a church is that we be a church that makes radical disciples. Now, when we use the word radical, it's so cool. One of the meanings for that word is like rooted, like connected, like dependent. 
And again, we're going we're gonna to unpack that word big time for next week. But do you know what a radical disciple is? It's simply someone who has learned dependency on the Spirit of God. A man or a woman who has a mind set on the Spirit. So how about you? What are you going to do? What are you, who are you going to live for? Are you going to live for your flesh, which is never satisfied? Or are you going to live for the Spirit of God that brings life and peace? Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you are Father and Son and Holy Spirit and that you bought us with a price and you homesteaded us. And we are so grateful. So Lord Jesus, help us to fuel and nourish the Spirit that you've placed within us. Help us to know the freedom and the victory that only come through that spirit. We ask and pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks you guys so much for worshiping with us today. God bless you.